Welcome to the Questionable to Return podcast, where three lifelong friends discuss Wisconsin sports and more. Now, here's your hosts, Andy, Mike, and Pete. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Questionable to Return podcast. As always, I'm Andy with my buddies, Mike. Hi, everybody. And Pete. Hey, howdy, hi. Well, boys, we have a really, really, really extremely exciting podcast and clip section for you. We do. Special guest coming in, Melvin Flash Gordon. You know him from Bradford High School, Badgers, Chargers. Maybe he's been on your fantasy team. If you're lucky enough. Yeah. It's very cool to get to talk to him. This guy is lucky enough. Yes. On my fantasy team. Well, now in our league that we all do together, it'll be a race. So you can get Melvin with the highest pick who can get Melvin Gordon on their team. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad pick. No, he's no. consistently <laughs> one of the better running backs every year. So, yeah, we're really looking forward to that. I couldn't believe it. So it's really exciting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, a real, a, a real uh, milestone for the podcast to get a... Check that off our list, right? Yeah, Indeed. NFL player on. It's a dream come true, if you will. Dreams, huh? Dreams. Speaking of dreams, my son, he's had a little bit of where he comes in and, and just kind of lays in our bedroom just to feel better. And mm-hmm. It's only a couple of nights, but it made me think because we talked to him a little bit about it, trying to calm him down. So he's been good. to kind of turned it around. But it made me think of some dreams from my childhood. And one distinct one, and I'll love to hear your guys's, but one that came to mind, I told him and it made him laugh hysterically was, at some point, I got a waterbed when I was a little bit older. Well, no, though, like, there was like tube ones, not like a big one, so it wasn't mm-hmm. quite as motion. But oh boy. Yeah, yeah. But the idea was I had a dream where I was whitewater rafting. Oh, I was thought you were going to go another way. No. I thought you were going to go full, full Johnny Depp on us. PG Pete. <laughs> no, I, didn't. I meant like Freddy Krueger. Oh, no, no, no. Because <laughs> that's how Jeff Freddy, uh, Freddy right. killed Johnny Depp. It's his first kill, right? Good call. Yeah. So, no, it wasn't. It wasn't frightening as far as horror film frightening. The idea is so I was whitewater rafting. It was what I can remember. It was pretty thrilling. But the idea was I came upon a waterfall. So all of a sudden, I was falling, plummeting down said waterfall. And I remember hitting a branch or something like that along the way. And I remember like hitting bottom where I was seeing rocks. And then I woke up crashing to the floor. So you were really acting that one out. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I had bumped. I'd bump my head or my shoulder or whatever else rolling out of bed, and I hit my end table and then crashed to the ground. That's a fun one. Yeah, that one's actually pretty fun. Yeah. So it was a little older version of me. I think it was like, I don't know, 13 or so. Well, so it wasn't as like, frightening, but it was one of those, I woke up, I'm like, holy crap. Well, I had a dream once where I ate the world's biggest marshmallow, <laughs> and when I woke up, my pillow was gone. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you guys remember that joke as a kid? I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's no good. it's funny though you mentioned freddy krueger yeah he probably the scariest dreams i ever had where i saw a nightmare on elm street oh, probably man. too young uh, same here and i had dreams about freddy krueger nightmares about freddy krueger oh, yeah. and the thing is then i thought he might be real oh god it was terrifying so. that was a problem it's like that first horror film you were you're always too young probably yeah. to see that yeah yeah, definitely. And trying to deal with that. Yeah, and Nightmare on Elm Street, that was definitely that was one of them. That was probably about my earliest horror film, I want to say. So 
Yeah, so I I saw that one at an early age. I I've I saw a lot of Mel Brooks movies at an early age, Blazing Saddles, and yeah, I, um, Predator, Rambo. Different generation. Yeah, different generation. Rated, rated, rated R. 80s were different. Different age. Yeah, 80s rated 80s, R movies were just a part of childhood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the rating system was different back then. So, anyway, so mine was uh, along the lines of thriller, whatever horror movie. So it was it. Oh, but paired with it was Chucky. Oh, oh. no. Those yeah. are like two of the scariest things combined. But I was like 13, I believe, when this, oh. this issue was happening. So I had a bunk bed and I, oh, yes. it was just me. I, I didn't have nobody else slept on the top. Granted, it was a very scary I believe that was Scary my first concussion. Like my first concussion, I think that I can remember was I, I think was at Pete's house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sleeping in a bunk bed. I remember waking up <laughs> to get down. Boom. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, it it the clown was was uh would chase me, um, to start the dream, and then all of a sudden I <laughs> would I would get phases. past it. I would get past it somehow, you know, through the so tunnels like a, and so all that So it was like stuff. a gaming. Yeah, it was kind of like yeah, collecting coins and stuff, <laughs> and uh, power ups, but. You go down a tunnel. Yeah, tunnels and yeah, the choo, choo, the, choo. the grates and all that stuff. So the the sewage, sewage areas. So I would get past that, and then all of a sudden I find myself in a library, and I would be weaving through the bookcases like crazy, kind of like thinking of almost Ghostbusters, I guess that that oh, first yeah. part of Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, I can yeah. picture that. the library. So I would be weaving in and out of there, and all of a sudden Chucky would show up. And Chucky would tackle me and get me down and do the seance stuff on me. And then all of a sudden, I'd get away. And then all of a sudden, I'd turn a corner and be it again. And it was awful. It was a whole summer of horror. Yeah. And I could not sleep. I tried warm milk, lights on. I would wake up, and I'd be in the bottom bunk looking up. My window blinds would be kind of clanking around. And I, like I, the- I would sprint out of my bed every morning because I was so afraid. Well, you had like the mirror Yeah, those shades mirror shades, too. Shades which too. Was, all, was worse, I feel. It was awful. Well, it sud- was an awful summer. Suddenly, my Freddy Krueger is not so bad. You're taking on the horror monster all stars in your dream. Yeah, right? It was it was bad. It was bad. I remember when I was younger, even too. I was super young. I had to be like six. I walked. I had a blood curdling scream. It made my parents come. It was like that deathly scream. I came running in because there was oh a, a giant, like cowboy, like animated cowboy looking thing. Looks seriously like what he did. He came in and he was like tipping his hat and he kept walking towards me and I just was screaming. Andy, you mentioned you think your first concussion came from a bunk bed because it's my turn to tell an injury story. So my story involves Pete. What? We'll see if you remember this. It also involves Matt. From the End Still podcast. Ooh, the posse. Yeah. So we were probably about 12 or 13. Okay. And behind your house was a perfect area to play football. Just yes. beyond your backyard is kind oh, of an open, yeah. big open rectangular area. Yeah. Yes. We play in between football. the buildings? Because we used to yep. play in between the buildings or the grade school or that little area. I remember playing at the middle school, grade school, schoolyard parks, yeah. though. That was mostly the snow games. Yes. Those were fun. So this was a snow game. Nice. There was enough snow on the ground where like it would be fun to play tackle. Yeah. So was I not here? Because I, I participated in those. You just don't remember me. I'll get to why I don't remember everything. I don't remember <laughs> you being there, but you might have been. Because <laughs> the snow, we could all tackle. You could dive for balls. It was great, but oh, it wasn't so much fun. But it wasn't too much snow. You couldn't run on it. So 
I was running. I ran a route where I like cut it inside, and then whoever was the quarterback threw the ball, and it was a little low and in front of me, so I decided to dive for it. Perfect, because snow. Snow yeah, game, you got to dive for it. doesn't matter. Right. At that exact moment. You want to be a hero too, right? Yeah. I, I, we'll just say it would have been a touchdown. I for don't sure. remember if it would have been. Easily. Wes Welker. At that exact moment, though, Matt was on the other team. Oh, gosh. And, and Matt, Matt, now, wait, Matt was one of those players who, when he got all jacked up on, on Jolt, yeah, it was it was not it was funny, but going against him was it sucked. Yeah, because he guys, was he was a monster. You guys this was like the surge era, right? Like it yeah, was just like yeah, jacked surge, up. Jolt, and, yeah, this we, is where we'd like chug surge <laughs> and then go play sports. And, <laughs> yes. and you guys know Matt especially well because you guys played sports with him for years. This yeah. was just playground version. Matt is he, very intense. He was still jacked up. <laughs> he was on the other team, and he came and dove for the ball as well from the opposite direction. So we both are diving for a football opposite ways. We just collide heads oh. directly on like two Rams Boy. butting heads. No, you were good. fine because you had like stocking caps on, right? Yeah, that hey, was just that was enough. enough. No, wait, we wore helmets. We were fully padded, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, some thin winter hat. Wasn't quite enough to stop uh, the head blow. But I remember then I was like kind of rolling around on the ground. First thing I noticed was everyone had like gathered around us. And I looked over at Matt. It was 45 minutes later. <laughs> yeah. You guys are probably like talking up the next play. And then, oh, by the it's way. It's getting dark. How we got to go. I looked over at Matt and he was like holding his head and like writhing in pain. And I, I, I remember this. I tried to get up and I couldn't. I remember my legs just like didn't cooperate. Like I tried to like jump up like, like I'm okay. And I couldn't. <laughs> and Matt couldn't either. And we were down for a while. And then we both got up and we all just kind of agreed like, Game over then? Like, yeah. yeah, game over. So I just decided, like, I don't really feel right. I'm just going to go home. <laughs> but I think I might have had a mild concussion. I think this might have been my first concussion I've had. I think I've had two in my life. And I think this was one of them, just based on how, how hurt I felt yeah. and not able to move and just felt out of it for the rest of the day. But I brought it up because I was wondering if you remembered it. And I'd be curious to hear if Matt remembers See, it. Now, I, I don't remember a lot from my childhood. I don't think I ever had a concussion. Might have. Yeah. <laughs> so, because I was one of those headhunter kind of guys. So, yeah. I But, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the football games because I had an injury. I would always fake injuries so that people thought I was, like, injured and I'd blow past them because I wasn't very fast. Oh, that's the old Jim Brown tactic. Yeah. So, I got an injury. I got tackled from behind from big, big kid. I was tiny. So, he tackled me from behind after an interception. My my ankle snapped, but everybody else was like, oh, you're just joking around, Pete. Yeah, no, my ankle was broken. Even my mom let me wait until the next day to take me to the hospital because she thought I was kidding, too. <laughs> That's what we thought when you punched the bar, too. <laughs> <laughs> I took. I have to take myself to the that hospital was, all the time. That was all the repl yeah. replacement ref's fault. But, <laughs> was. but I was the kind of kid, too. Like I, I always just tried to tough it out. Like I was someone I did not ever want to go to the emergency room. Like I'll be, I even, you know, I've told I dislocated my finger and just tried to put it back in place myself. That was at age like 12 or 13. And I'm like, I don't need to go well, to the I, doctor, mom. I just remember those school year <laughs> games too. And, and luckily for me being, I was always still the tallest yeah. even then. So I never had to worry about probably head to head collisions so much just because I just was a taller kid. I was probably always like the smallest kid out oh, there. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Head-on-head -head collisions and stuff like that—it was inevitable. Yeah, definitely. I remember somebody ran into the, the swing set, 
pole at one oh, point. Oh, yeah. Didn't somebody run right into the concrete wall or brick wall in between the in between the two apartment buildings? I think so. Over a minute. <laughs> For, could have been. That sounds about right. That sounds right <laughs> up his alley. first. Right? Yeah. We have it whole... might have been Matt, too. Matt, Matt had... For a Matt second, I thought you were talking about... About Danny when he oh Danny ran into the wall and then punched it yeah basketball <laughs> broke, practice broke, broke his hand. hand yeah we could come up with a whole just laundry list of injuries that happened just playing playground football definitely <laughs> definitely well let's get to our our viewers viewers listeners listeners, <laughs> listeners. all right viewers correction music. Our listeners, me. We're not good enough looking to have cameras. There'll be no, no viewers. No YouTube videos. So, yeah. Listener stories. So, let's get it started with Roger. He writes us from Illinois. I hurt my big toe trying to leg out a single in grade school. Took ibuprofen before the next few games, but the pain never went away. Before I knew it, I was in all sorts of scanners to rule out cancer. You know, that sort of thing. I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what got Bob Marley. Hey, right? There you go. I was a kid, and no one clued me in on the details. I just thought it was cool that I could see the insides on a scan. That is probably a really interesting thing. Yeah. When you're, I don't know how old he probably was at that point, grade school, so I'm sure he's a little bit, probably the, what's a 9 to 12-ish range. But when you get your first like scan to see like your bones and whatever else. Yeah, it's kind of exciting. You don't you don't know how serious it might be. Like, yeah. wow, that's all inside me. That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. They actually, now they give the kids uh, like a full mouth scan, and you can see like their shark teeth. That's pretty yeah, crazy. It crazy. Oh, those, it's it's yeah. kind of freaky. Yeah, my son kept his. About. He hangs it in his room. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, we still got the scan from when my son broke his leg. Oh yeah, he was super young. Anyway, so after about a month, they came back with a diagnosis: turf toe. <laughs> oh. Cancer to turf toe. Bloody turf toe. Probably the coolest injury at the time because it was right after Sterling Sharp suffered through it. Yeah, he really got plagued with that. Yeah. Yeah, make you feel like an NFL player. Turf toe. You only hear that in the NFL. Can't doesn't doesn't happen a lot anymore because the turf has changed. Yeah. It's not that hard. Scary crazy turf. Scary cancer to turf toe to being compared to one of the best receivers of all time. Hey, not Pretty too shabby. Yeah, not too shabby. Thanks, Roger. So let's move on to Dana next. She says, I was always active playing soccer and basketball until a car accident. Oh, ac- this, oh this got real. Yeah, the accident knocked both of my kneecaps to the outside <gasps> and out of alignment. Speaking of scans, can we see this one? Yeah, that sounds pretty serious. After multiple knee surgeries to correct the problem, my athletic activity was done. So that one's... Kind of, kind of a sad one where a non-sports injury took her out of sports. Oh. That has to be tough to take. Yeah, yeah. If I want an injury, I'd want it to happen playing, giving it my all. Right. At least then you to feel have it that way. That's 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 not very good. No. Give her the hat. What else can we give her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have earned the hat. We have some stickers too. Yeah. All these Dana, stories are in the hat, really. All right. Our last one for today. We have Richard from Racine. So. I was playing for a church league just about 50 years ago. All right. Got an old guy here. Saint Rich. St. Ignatius in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The 35 and over league was full, so keep in mind old guys played with much younger players. My position was center field, and the ball came in on a lime drive that sank fast, 
so I had to lay out and die for it. Sounds a little bit like my play. Almost like you guys could be related. Maybe. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't learn anything from him. Okay, nope, continue. never. I uh, I made the catch, then rolled over and broke my fall with my collarbone. As we all know, collarbones break easily. How Charles yeah. Woodson of you. Yeah. I went to the dugout and sat on the bench. One of our team's players was a fireman, sat next to me, and noticed I was slumped over a bit in pain. He asked me what happened, and I told him I tucked my arm after, after the catch. It's, it's quite sore. The fireman felt my arm and said, I think you broke your collarbone. You need to go to the hospital. No 911 back then, so they called an ambulance without me knowing. (laughs) (laughs) Rub some dirt on it. Yeah. The game had to stop while the ambulance came on the field. When I got there, another one of my teammates was there to wait, wait for me and take me home afterwards. They didn't do anything for the collarbone and just put me in a sling and set me on my way home. I went home and my wife said, you know about burning mortgages? So you guys know what burning mortgages are? Yeah, after you pay it's it like off. You burning mortgage party. Some Symbolic. Symbolic. So she said, you know about burning mortgages? Well, I think it's time we burn the baseball glove. Oh. Yeah. No. Forced into retirement. Forced into retirement. Thanks, honey. <laughs> if I would have gotten to the 35 and older league, I might not have had the pressure to go all out and die for that sinking line drive. And my career would have been extended. Uh, this one really speaks to me because I just turned 35. So <laughs> yeah. if I'm going to join a league, yeah. I, I'm not going to be talked into joining a younger league. No. 35 only. Yeah, no, thank you. I'll just stick to bowling. Those collarbones. Yeah, because yeah, that's safe. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> There's no <laughs> word that's a bowling safe. injury. I forgot about that. No, no sport <laughs> is safe. Is safe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You name a sport, someone will have an injury. Yeah, definitely. Great stories. Thanks for the stories, everyone. Yeah, it's good stuff. I think they still have time to send in more, right? Yeah, I think we, we're going to let them go until this Saturday, I want to say. So you have until March 9th to get your stories in. Send them in to questionable to return slash giveaway. Make sure to put the dot com in there. Send them in <laughs> to questionable to return dot com slash giveaway. Nailed it. So, jumping into the Bucks, before we get into the, the last couple of games, we kept questioning about what is the team going to do with the pending free agents, and the Bucks going ahead and answer this right away, at least the first person. Bledsoe agrees to a four-year, $70 million extension. So, call me the Swami. They were listening to our podcast, and they said, oh, Andy wants Bledsoe. We'll go ahead and take care of that for him. I think I've heard that Horst does listen to this podcast for advice. So who should we tell him next? Who would be who would be next on your list? Uh next on my list? Um I think it's well, I think you got to go Middleton, but Bledsoe or Bledsoe Brogdon's making a huge case for himself right. lately for sure. So so I actually I Both? I like this move a lot from the standpoint of I think it does set us up nicely throughout the rest of free agency. Brogdon, the Bucks don't really have much control over that because he's going to go out and seek offers. So the Bucks are just going to look and see if matching is worth it or not. Right. And Lopez, I know they're trying to bring back at a reasonable price, right. like $9 million. So I think it really comes down to if Brogdon's worth matching or not. That kind of depends on Middleton then, how much he gets offered. If, if we can bring back Bragdon and maybe overpay slightly, 
that might especially just, for his age yeah I think it's worthwhile that might just push middleton out of reach but i think they would maybe go for miritich then as a backup plan i think i think it gets interesting because of how they structured Bledsoe's contract though, because he's making a base salary of what fifteen point six million for nineteen twenty. So that's actually isn't that lower than his contract right now, or is that a little bit above? I don't. I don't. This contract is very team team oriented though. So I just feel like they kind of set themselves up to go over the tax later on and hopefully stay under this year and with signing all these guys. So maybe they structure it that way. So that they kind of get to that point where they have to give max contract to Giannis and take a hit with the tax and just yeah. keep this team together so that they can keep a run going. Yeah, so his current base salary is fifteen, right? So it's just a little bit above that for next year, which is nice. Which is really good. Well, I mean, it grows up incrementally, like sixteen, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty, twenty, twenty-two, twenty-three. But yeah, it goes up like a little over a million dollars each year. Right. It averages seventeen and a half, but it starts at fifteen and a half. So he's signed through 2023. He's in his prime right now, I would say. He, and it oh, feels yeah. like he gave us a little bit of a, a Bucks or hometown deal. Yeah, when I saw 17 and a half per season, a lot of the stuff I'd been hearing before was more like in, in the, the 20s. 20s. Yeah, like, late 20s, I thought. Yeah, I heard like low, he might be like a 21, 22 million a season. So I feel pretty good about this. But yeah, he's he's really loves Milwaukee. He feels like he's at home and it's really great to hear him say that he loves being a part of something big finally you know and he wants to stay somewhere where he's going to be liked and wanted and i mean the thank way you, coach bud thank you, coach bud yeah coach yeah. bud has really changed his his thought process because he was a guy with with big time issues with the suns and wanting his way out and forcing his way out and even with kid i felt like it didn't go well yeah he was not and he was almost on his way out again yeah cuz Bud had to go have a separate special conversation with him. Right. Him and John Horace talked to him. Mm-hmm. And then it was interesting to hear comments coming out of uh, the game because he blew up um, the game against the Lakers. Yeah, 31. But they talked to him afterwards about his contract, and he talked about, well, when you have a coach that's behind you, a team that's behind you, a GM that's behind you, an ownership that's behind you, it's just a, I'm just glad to be a buck, which is pretty awesome to hear considering, like we mentioned, like a year ago he was ready to – has to be shipped out like again. So going into this offseason with four starters going to be free agents, it's nice to lock one of them up now because right. now I feel pretty confident about keeping most of this core together that this was the first step. Like we said, it seems team-friendly. So I, I, I love it too because now I have confidence that we're going to have a pretty talented team back next year and going forward. One of the other things that kind of plays into this as we keep talking about free agents and potential signings, um, there was an article that came out, I think, yesterday or a few days ago. A few days ago. Um, regarding Brogdon speaking out about the Milwaukee city as a whole being a little bit more segregated than other cities across the country, um, which I can see a little bit where he was coming from from that. What I do like even more, though, is he seemed to take an ownership role in the idea of trying to make a resolution to it take an ownership in it and and wanting to make change for the better for Milwaukee and hoping that he can drive change through not only himself and things he can do in the community, but using the team as a vehicle and their success and making this playoff run as a good way to bringing people together and kind of uniting a city, which I think we're doing. I don't think there's many people around here that don't have like Bucks fever or the idea of being part of something special that we haven't been able to be a part of in a long time. Well, yeah, I agree. 
not that you want to make it. We're all big sports fans. I want to pump up sports to be something bigger than they are always. But I do think there is something to be said about a city really embracing their sports team. And that really does bring people together in a way that a lot of other things don't. I think a sports franchise can be about the best thing a city can have to get everybody kind of on the same page and just hanging out. I know when the Bucks have been good or the Brewers have been good, it's so fun to walk around downtown right. where everybody has Bucks stuff on and you're just like high-fiving strangers after a big win. And, you know, so maybe this is an opportunity for for Malcolm, for the Bucks, Especially a team like this, too. The, winning the way they are, being a team the way they are, and kind of being in it for each other and not like themselves. Um, you can see how they're uniting as a team together, buying into Coach Bud's philosophy, buying into one another. And I think that just kind of overflows into um, the community itself, kind of buying into that as well. I think that you latch on to that. I know when we've gone to games, it's, it's hard not to get excited for this team. They're special. And we talked about this even with the Brewer team too. It was just a special group of guys that seem to like each other, want to be around. And you see the complete polar opposites in teams. And we talked about a little bit with the Celtics, the turmoil they're going through, just the inner turmoil with their team dysfunction. Like that team should be way better, high performing than they are. And even less so, I kind of expected, but even the Lakers are going through their own turmoil where you have LeBron leaving as quickly as he can, showing the sportsmanship even when the Bucks took care of them. He was the first one gone. And then you hear about a story like the game afterwards where he left and took the first bus out before it was even full. You just see polar opposites and to have a team like this and rally around them. Um, you agree with them. And it's cool to hear an athlete that wants to take ownership um, into making a city better than when he found it. So that's cool. Yeah, and the, the Bucks too, in a way, they uh, are kind of a nice representation of being kind of the melting pot of right. you have guys from all over the country. You even have guys from all over the world that are all coming together to be teammates. Right. So. Speaking of all over the world. Yeah, they uh, ended up signing Paul Gasol. We kind of knew about this, that when he did get cut and bought out from the Spurs, that he would be signed. Uh, Wolge bombs were were rampant. I think it was, what, Friday or? Yeah, Friday afternoon. Friday yeah. or Thursday. But, yeah, Wolge uh, had some bombs for us. So he said that he was getting released and bought out and then immediately said the Bucks are going to sign him. So they did sign Paul Gasol. He is number 17. Of course, he hasn't been playing big minutes lately. He hasn't played over 10 minutes, I think, in the last month. Not a big deal because this is a really valuable addition off the court. Playoff mind, he's a champion. Uh, 136 playoff games, 122 starts in those playoff games. Back-to-back titles with the Lakers in 09 and 10. Um, He's a really good vet to have in that locker room, give speeches. Uh, He probably won't see many minutes, but that's okay. I think it's great to get guys who have the playoff experience to get this team where they want to be. I love the signing. I do too. Just to have another seven-foot guy on the roster. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of guys like Ilyasova and Miritich and DJ Wilson that are like 6'10". They're more power forwards. But if you want a guy who could maybe spell Lopez from time to time. Yeah, like in especially a, down the stretch. In a, yeah, or in a playoff series, you could put Pagasol in for five minutes here or there. Well, sure, he seems to be the guy that's going to replace like the Jason Smith that we sent over to the Pelicans for the Miritich trade. Yeah. And I will take Pagasol over Jason Smith in a heartbeat. No also, to Jason, but there's the the angle of uh, if we did meet the uh, Raptors in the playoffs, it's pretty interesting to have the Gasol brothers. Yeah, it's pretty cool against each other. So, yeah, well, I, I thought like I thought we would maybe have the the Robin Robin Lopez. Oh, uh, the Bulls not going to make the playoffs. No, I thought we would get Robin. Oh, Lopez. we'd get Robin. Lopez. That would have been cool. 
but oh. anyway. Yeah, I think the Bulls are just out of the playoff race, so yeah. we're not going to see Rodman. So yeah, the the deadline has passed for buyouts to join the playoff rosters. So that was Friday. So Paul just Gasol, the nick of time. just just in the nick, t- nick of time, he's going to be on the playoff roster, and um, we'll see what other moves and how much this contract's for. I'm sure it's minimum, mm-hmm. shouldn't be much, so it shouldn't affect their uh, salary cap ish problems. I guess that are going to come come in the future. So yeah, thank you, Spurs. So they did have two games, of course, two. Huge games. Uh, it was pretty interesting against the Lakers. Of course, they they won that game somehow. <laughs> they found a way to win that game. Well, the yeah. Lakers played them really tough. They won 131 to 120, but with two minutes left in that game, or three minutes left remaining, the Lakers had a two-point lead. And the Bucks had one of their signature things they've done this year is just go on this huge run where where they just found a way to win. So what do you guys think of the, the Laker game, I guess, first? The thing I was saying as I was watching, especially the fourth quarter, is I just kept saying Bledsoe is worth every penny. Oh, right. He had some huge shots. He had two and ones. two and ones. Yeah. Where he just absolutely we needed him, and he just got the defender in the air, put it in. That was Bledsoe, one of Bledsoe's best games of the yeah, season. Yeah, the way the way he bullies his way in the lane over guys way taller than him, and he finds a way to hang and just like Ray Allen would, and just get that shot to drop. Yeah, just amazing. He's one of the best slashers in the NBA. Yeah. Easily, easily. There was that stat I had brought up before of how far ahead everyone is, uh, how far ahead Giannis is from everyone in terms of uh, shots within three feet. Oh, yeah. And and Bledsoe was on that list, too, for one of the best field goal percentages in the league. And that's one thing that changed, that has changed with Bledsoe is they said, stop shooting jumpers, only if you're th- shooting threes, and go to the lane. You're athletic, you can get to the lane, you can dish really good. And that's one thing that that Coach Bud changed with him that that kind of mindset that you you need to get to the lane. You're athletic. You can do this. Yeah. So that's uh that was really huge. So I think it's it's kind of kind of interesting to see these away games and how much the fans really get into them. And and you're kind of noticing that the Bucks have a target on their back. Finally, I guess it's finally. I I'd love yeah. to see it. Like. Lakers Lakers fans getting into this game because the Bucks their their team is leading against the Bucks. I became a little more tuned into that after you pointed it out that it really is it's a big deal to beat Giannis and the Bucks when you're sitting there with the best record in the NBA. Definitely. The fans are so into these games. It's it's weird to think that, you know, our Bucks are that kind of team where the fans really rise to the occasion of we want to beat this team, but that was the case. Yeah, definitely. It was it was really an amazing win in my eyes. LeBron, they they as much as LeBron's had thirty one point I think he had thirty one or something like that, but Ilya Silva really guarded him well. I, I know he I was <laughs> kinda arguing on Twitter the next day because kinda is frustrating when when a lot of Bucks fans out there just gotta find a reason just to complain. Yeah. It just bothers me so much that they just wanna have hot takes and just find something to complain about because Ilya Silva I think did a decent job on LeBron. He back. He was trying to back Ilyasova down. He held his ground most of the time. Yeah, he fell over, but of course, who's going to yeah, stop LeBron? Yeah, there was a couple of times where LeBron made him look silly. Oh yeah, but LeBron makes everyone look silly. So I th- I thought he did a great job down the stretch there. So I just want to point that out. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> not every game has to just turn into doom and gloom. Which certain Bucks fans, it's like they feed on that on social media. Like, just enjoy it. Just enjoy the Bucks being one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, they're going to have some rough stretches or lose games, but it doesn't mean they're a bad team. 
So they tried to get their 11th in a row, right, against the Jazz. with 11th um, in a row on the road. On the road. Brogdon had plantar fasciitis, fun one. <laughs> and then uh, Bledsoe had some back pain. Late late scratch. Obviously, these injuries are not, not real. I don't think so. Well, you pointed out how much Bledsoe was jumping up and down yeah. and cheering on the bench. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that was him. A couple moments. So, so. I guess the bat, it felt better once he sat for a little bit and rested on the bench. So the the Bucks, of course, lost to the Jazz one fifteen to one eleven, but they were up seventeen in this game. Uh, they were up twenty to six early in this game with with Lopez having a block party in the oh. first quarter with six blocks. Six, yeah, yeah. They they started with a huge lineup. Miritich and Ilyasova started, but they were quite disappointed in this game. Yeah, that was probably the most interesting takeaway from this was with the starting backcourt out to go big and put Miritich and Ilyasova in. I think and it threw the Jazz off early in that game, though, because they got, they got up so fast. Yeah, I don't know if they just wanted to really match up because two of the best players for the Jazz are Favors and Gobert and the way those guys try to control the paint, but it did not work out because neither of those guys played well. Yeah, Mirtich and Ilyasova, they got the start and only combined for eight points three of 15 shooting two and nine from three point land they still had a plus minus differential that was in the plus if, if that matters anybody i still don't understand that completely but a lot of people mentioned that so i i'm going to but their uh bench was just awful too snell and Connaughton got huge minutes and just did nothing the whole night the bench only had 15 points that was the problem with having Ilyasova and, and Miritich in the starting lineup and then sliding other guys into significant bench spots. It was just, it was terrible shooting by the bench. Really disappointing. They were uh, 5 of 23 as a group from the field, and that's not going to help your team win. But despite all that, the Bucks had the lead late in the Definitely. game. They could have stole the game. They're up 90-73, to 73, I, be, I believe, right, in the fourth quarter, early in that fourth quarter, and then the Jazz went on a run, but... Yeah, Giannis missed some key free throws. Yeah, he missed, I believe, eight free throws in the game and four in crunch time. So about two minutes left, he missed four free throws. But, yeah, that was pretty disappointing. But he still had a solid 43 points, <laughs> Yeah, 14 rebounds, eight assists. And Middleton even had 29 points. But the big, the big deal was Mitchell. He had his career high, 46, I believe. And without Bledsoe in there, you saw that how good Bledsoe is on defense. Yeah. So that was kind of disappointing. But you know what? They're not going to win every game. Jazz are, a game J- Jazz are a team that are 10 games over 500, so you can't be disappointed that they – we all kind of thought they would lose that game, but being yeah. ahead by uh, – if they would have came out with that win, man, I dropped the mic. Holy, holy cow. Yeah. Like we said, the, it was one of those games where going into it, we kind of expected a loss. And yeah. then to find them up double digits in the fourth quarter, it feels like it slipped away. But yeah. it was a tough game. Yeah. They, they seemed like they lost their legs late in that game. My thought was, as, like, as you mentioned, a team gunning for them. And it took still took a career game from Mitchell to even remotely have a chance. So I'd, I'd take it. I mean, they're going to have it. It was a tough West team on, the, on that road trip. Yeah. So I kind of have a question for you guys. So with with that kind of loss, which was a good loss, I would say, what they did to the Lakers and what they've done on the West Coast, um, a couple big-name pundits, I guess, Jalen Rose, a couple others, have, have are still picking the Celtics and the Sixers over the Bucks and Raptors. 
do you think or when when do you think the Bucks will will get the full credit from from every not everyone but when they win the NBA finals? Yeah, yeah. I say it almost seems like they have to actually win the East for people to finally give them credit cuz no one is, I've seen no one pick them to win the East of the yeah, all the NBA experts when they've done their you know pick your finals matchup now I've heard still a lot of Raptors, some Sixers and occasionally a Celtics mixed in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it doesn't matter what stat you throw at them, what what running streak we have, there's always a yeah but. Yeah, yeah. it's just interesting to me cuz Jalen Rose was saying how much when okay, I understand when playoff basketball comes around and the Bucks have this deep, deep team, and they're, he's saying, "Well, you got to go down to what eight, eight, eight players. You go down yeah. to a smaller, and then when they start keying on people, I'm like, who do the Sixers have that compared to the Bucks? Like, they're such a good team. Like, I understand the Sixers have an amazing starting lineup, but it's not like it's working great. Oh, I would take the Bucks bench to kill the Sixers uh, bench. Yeah, right. TJ you think Mc- of that second unit, and granted, you looked at what happened against the Jazz, and that second unit was crap yeah. and, and for the Bucks. It just seemed like these other teams are, are very brittle. Like, even the Sixers have their own team issues where they don't seem to want to work together, and they still have other concerns. And, like, you talk about depth. The Bucks just don't have that problem. The next man up can come in and still partake. Like, they have so many different lineup manipulations that they can go in and different size yeah. and configurations that other teams just don't have. Yeah, we don't have the guy who's been uh, a problem, like locker room problem all year, right. and some of these other teams do. And yeah, bring on the Sixers! I can't wait to play T.J. McConnell, Jonathan Simmons, and Mike Scott, or whoever that's going to be their the key to their second unit. Like yeah. going like against uh, Thunder Mifflin, Michael Scott. <laughs> there you go. Going Michael against Scott Paper Company. <laughs> going people against paper, paper people. <laughs> Sorry. Going against the likes of Miritich, Miritich and Ersan, yeah. and yeah, bring it on then. Yeah, it's 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 just to kind of round off this Bucks talk, I guess this playoff run and this this season run. It it just reminds you of what the Brewers did and how how Council pushed all the right buttons with all those bullpen moves, and it's the same kind of mirrors Coach Bud when he makes those lineup changes, goes huge or goes really small and. And it's just amazing. He presses the right buttons at the right time. And this team only lost a game in, in February. He's the coach of the month. And Giannis is the player of the week almost every week. So And getting everybody to buy into a common vision and common goal. And then and getting solid veterans or key players, role players that will come in and, and give you that added, added extra boost, if you will. Like the Miritich move was, has got to be – has to go down as one of the best. Yeah. One Between, of the best moves I've seen. Except for Lopez. Yeah, it's got to be one of the best moves of the season. But at the time, Lopez, you you didn't think about it, right? <laughs> He's just like wowed, wowed everyone. I have one more like assault thing I want to talk about, and and talking about bringing another key player, just as you mentioned to kind of round this out. The idea of you bringing people in that want to be there and trying to help out. One of the quotes he had, he said, "Thrilled to begin my new chapter in my NBA journey with the great Bucks. I look forward to the challenge. My goal, as always, will be to add value to the team and help deliver a championship to Milwaukee." That's you power, stuff like right? that. Yeah, so you have Paul saying that. And then the idea is they also gave back two and a half million dollars from his salary to help facilitate the buyout with San Antonio, so he could make the move to come to Milwaukee. Amazing! So he's serious about getting, wanting getting a championship. Winning, really? Yeah. You mentioning the Brewers not getting credit, you just you're getting me upset all over again because now I remember A Rod said the Rockies were a better oh, team than the Brewers. Yeah. And then the Brewers swept him, and he still said the Rockies were a better team. Yeah. So some of these analysts just they have their minds made up that. 
Team X isn't good, and we're one of those teams. But you also got to figure they're they're playing up to people who are watching that stuff and and the different ratings aspect of it. Are they going to get better ratings talking up a team in Philadelphia, or are they going to get better ratings talking about a team in Milwaukee? Yeah, that's true. I get it. They're quote unquote experts, but I don't know. I don't call myself I an just, expert. I, I'm not saying my opinion's better than theirs. It's and, just and it's I, just the, I, the, I agree with you. The sheer you know shock value of it they i don't know i just hate it we've, we've all watched a lot of basketball we all have seen a lot throughout the season this bucks team passes an eye test for me without other teams just don't i mean toronto's good and they're gonna be tough philly i just don't i just don't like that team <laughs> yeah. in, the, in the sense like i not that i don't like them like personally the idea like they're they're a good team i just don't think they're gonna i just don't think these teams are built for postseason the bucks haven't lost to the same team twice for a reason. And anybody well, who can do a little bit of math realizes that's pretty good in a seven-game series. I'll just quote the great Charles Barkley. When it comes to predicting the future, there are no experts. So, we finally saw Bryce Harper get signed just in time for uh, spring training. The dominoes are falling. Yeah, last big chip to fall. He gets 13 years. Oh, my gosh. $330 million from the Phillies. The biggest contract in North American sports history, right? Yeah. Do you think uh, he just wanted the top Stanton, that that was the whole goal? Because Stanton was 13, 325. Yeah. I would think so. That seems like his motivation, which might just, not have actually been the best deal for oh him to God. take. That's crazy. It's only averaging twenty four million, so it's not as high as Granky's. What, yeah, thirty four. And he has a uh, he has full no trade clause in this, so he could potentially be in Philadelphia till age thirty nine. Kind of reminds you of the Braun deal, where he's kind of just gonna stick his whole life out in one team. If it, if you do want to feel better about it. Bobby Bonilla still being paid by the Mets for three years after that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Never ending. Mets Mets pain. But it's uh pretty interesting how uh I don't know. I feel like Arenado had the better better uh extension he had an extension, but yeah. I feel like it's a better deal to eight, get Arenado versus eight years, Harper. Two sixty. Yeah. So Bryce Harper is he overrated? Uh, I think so. I, it seems like it. So he has no go gloves. No. Defensively, he's his WAR is negative four point two. Yeah, I was looking the at the last three uh, seasons. Sorry, uh, his WAR in general, he had a a WAR just over five his rookie year, and then he had a WAR of ten the MVP season. He's been below five every other season in the big league. The other the other half of it I found quite interesting is the different podcasts and and talking head shows that you listen to. They all had beat writers, but and not one of them was upset yeah they're not real sad to see him go see him go so i think that's a pretty good indicator that a he might be overrated or b he's just not a good fit from a locker room standpoint or to build or a a piece to fit if you're trying to actually build a winning winning team well when you look at just his numbers in general he hit 330 that mvp year and had a 460 on base that those are phenomenal numbers that's worth that kind of money but then he's also followed that up with the season we hit 243 He's hit 249 in his career. He's a career 279 hitter. He's not this elite hitter. And he had 40 home runs, uh, 42 the MVP year. He had 34 another year. And then the rest of the time, he's been in the 20s. 
he's not this uh, bat that you can just pencil in in the three spot as an elite hitter. And as I was mentioning war, he's had three seasons where his war was under two. Which is make which is saying you're basically you're closer to an average player than a good player, and you contrast that with Nolan Arenado, who has six Gold Gloves in six seasons. Mm-hmm. He consistently puts up a WAR of in the kind of six to seven range. So his career WAR is 33 wins above replacement in six seasons. Bryce Harper's is 27.4 in seven seasons. I don't get the money. I don't get it either. None of the stats seem to support him being worth all this money. And the thing that is pretty impressive is makes me, I guess, respect Machado like a a little bit more. I don't respect him at all, but <laughs> because he, the guy at least built in a out in five years. Yeah, where Harper didn't didn't even do that. Like, why wouldn't you do that to get to get out of a? Because you're just gonna be stuck there. Phillies could be terrible again. I don't know if this even. I don't even know if the Phillies are even good now. Who knows? There's yeah. a lot of good teams in that East. Yeah, I mean the Nationals are are still going to be solid. The Phillies yeah. have made a lot of moves. I mean, definitely they're tr- they're going for it. I guess give them that. But they're there's a lot of teams going for it in the NL though. Yeah, I would I would have much rather seen the, like the Phillies kind of hold out, kind of put some pieces together, and then really go after Trout, who actually wants to be in Philadelphia. Well, that's the thing too. If if Harper gets 13 for 330 what's trout gonna ask for it's it's crazy how we were talking about small market big market all this contract how nothing's happened the last two years now you get you've seen all these contracts being handed out like crazy yeah we had been talking about how it seems like teams have shied away from these long deals don't sign guys till they're 40 and then this completely bucks that trend by signing harper till age 39 i I just don't know if scott boris understands how the markets are the way the league and markets work right now. I I couldn't believe he actually turned down the the four year deal for the Dodgers. They reportedly offered him four years, one hundred sixty eight million. Yeah, and he could have got one hundred sixty eight million dollars, and in four years been back in the free agent market. Would he have been demanding twice that? Yeah, wouldn't you want to take the more money per year now with also being able to renegotiate at age thirty? Not like he. I mean, you're not going to get 13 years at age 30, but you still could get a pretty solid contract again. You think you could probably, I mean, I would feel like he probably could get another four-year deal roughly at around that same point, and you're getting more money at that point. Yeah, probably. So I don't know. It's it's kind of a head-scratcher for me, just how much money he really got. I guess it makes the Phillies pretty interesting, the fact that they've brought in a bunch of guys. They've kind of completely retooled their hitting. So one of my fun things to do, my geek side of me would always likes to look at the tax ramifications and how much the players are actually netting from these big deals. So if any of you guys actually looked into this, because if you did, then I won't ask my next question. Uh, I know a little bit about it. So so just so you guys know, the the general federal rate is about 37%, but the interesting thing with Philly being they have a state tax and an also a city tax if you're working or you live outside of the city of which you're going to be per, like being employed in. So that he qualifies for so how much do you think he's actually going to net from this 330 million dollar salary so i had always heard the the number thrown around of athletes expect about half of a contract based on taxes and agent fees i, I would guess is is it right around half or is it less than that half would it's be, a little bit i mean it's a little bit over half technically. okay i would I, yeah i would say maybe he expects like 175 180 
Could you have a guess? I have no clue. Closest to the pin. So it's, <laughs> so it's 184 million. He's going to walk away from what, what I found interesting. I was listening to like that Spot Track podcast, and they also had the tax man, like a sport tax man. He's yeah. a cool guy to listen to. I like he that, works, yeah. Yeah, he works for a, a firm out on the East Coast. But he actually kind of broke it down. The interesting thing was is he didn't know or didn't understand why a lot of these players didn't build in bigger signing bonuses, especially in baseball as opposed to other leagues. Baseball allows you to spread signing bonuses across multiple years. In the in the way the tax works, especially the places both Manny Machado and Bryce Harper live, Bryce Harper being in Nevada and Manny Machado being from Florida, neither one of them have income tax yeah, pieces. No, no state income. So those signing bonuses actually would get applied to your state of residency, so they wouldn't have got taxed on it. Plus, uh, didn't you mention that deferred money could also be used back in your home state after yeah. you're done playing? I.e. Bobby Bonilla. Yeah. So neither one of these contracts were deferred. They're all paid guaranteed money through the course of the, of the salary. None of them are going to be there waiting for them after they leave baseball. And I think a lot of people say that you defer the money because you can get endorsements throughout the year to pay for um, your normal life and living expenses throughout your playing careers. And then you get your salary post-playing career. But I just thought that the way that works now and, and what a lot of players demand are those higher signing bonuses, and they both just ask for $20 million. Yeah, that's weird. Because I, I mentioned the, the 50% number that I had heard was kind of like the standard, but that I had also heard that athletes and uh, agents will try to find little ways to bump that number up, like you said, by doing deferred money, and neither of these guys doing any of that. Yeah, so just like I said, I don't know if it's just Scott being normal, old school Scott Boris where you just I'm just going to plow through it and, and tout the fact that I got him the 13 year yep. 330 million total number yeah it's like the total number looks impressive that's it just there it is yeah. best best ever put that on my resume it's also interesting money aside Bryce Hyper is, is injured a lot like when are these injuries going to catch up to him so I don't know it's it's it doesn't make any sense to me why why would you sign this guy to a major contract so but he's he's gonna be decent, but I don't know. I that's just the, don't get it. That's the Phillies are really banking on that DH rule coming into effect in the National <laughs> there you League. Go. Yeah. Yeah, could be. All right, so we're here thrilled to have Kenosha Phenom, beloved Wisconsin Badger running back, Pro Bowl Los Angeles Charger running back, Melvin Gordon. Thank you for taking time out of your demanding schedule and spending a little time with us, Flash. Is it okay if I call you, Flash? Yeah, you are good. So we love nicknames on Questionable to Return. How did that name come about? Uh, just because the superhero, Flash Gordon, old school guy, so it kind of just, just came with the name, with the last name. Did you have that nickname? In college? I don't know if I remember. No, nah, they called me Money Mill in college. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't know. A, co- a, co- a coach was just like, hey, I'm good with nicknames. And usually when I get nicknames, they stick. And he was like, I was like, well, I'm, I've been waiting on one. And he was just like, all right, Money Mill it is. So he just started calling me that. So all my friends from college called me that. I don't know. We're big superhero fans and, and video game and stuff enthusiasts. So Flash works great for us. That and your amazing speed and agility and stuff in the nfl it's awesome oh flash gordon i'm running with oh especially <laughs> after five 5.1 yards per carry i think i'm telling you I think i'm it's running flash with it. now so tell us a little bit about life growing up in kenosha and being a two-sport athlete coming out of bradford it was it was good man um you know i started 
my first my freshman year, I played in Grays Lake, uh, Illinois. Coach Kennedy was, you know, talking to my mom, you know, trying to get me uh, to come out there you know, to Bradford. But, you know, I went to Grays Lake, and I thought it was just better for me to get a scholarship. I really didn't know much. They kind of played me weak there, so I was like, okay, bet. I'm just come to Kenosha, you know, just see if I can make it work here. And I told myself, you know, I'm going to work out. I'm going to just do whatever I can to play. And I knew it was going to be hard coming in as a sophomore trying to get a spot because, you know, when they got their freshman teams already, you know, it's just it's just hard really to get a spot. Yeah, you made the most of it between you and Trey Waynes. That was a heck of a I team. I had to. Actually, Trey was the first person I shook when I got to Bradford. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Since he was right here next to me, I thought I'd just let that out and be heard. But it was it was it was it was tough though, man. It was a it was a you know I got pushed by coach. I worked out on my own though, really, because I didn't know no one there really, and you know I just kind of just kept working. And Coach Kennedy was on me, and here I am, really. Do you and Trey have a little bit of a, a rivalry, or is it all is it all friendly? Because you guys got picked right around the same time in the draft. Yeah. Um, it wasn't really a rivalry unless we played each other. Um, you know, at, at the draft, I mean, we both kind of had a sense that we were going first. So it was just, you know, I was happy that he went. You know, I just was glad that he went. I really didn't care what pick, really. I just wanted him to get picked in the first. Um, just because it's just awesome being from the same area and both going in the first round. Um, so it really wasn't, you know, I wasn't mad that he went 11 and I went 15. Like, it was like no big deal. You know, to me, it was just both. Of, I just wanted both of our dreams to come true. And it was ha- it happened. You know, who can really say them and their best friend both went first round on the same day, same year? Yeah, simply amazing. You originally committed to Iowa and then ultimately decided on Madison. What what played into that decision? I was supposed to go to Iowa. And I thought that Wisconsin wanted me to play DB. And I'm like, I'm not going to college and play a position I've never played before. That's just not about to happen. I'm not doing it. And... You know, I went to a game there, the Ohio State game, and <clears throat> and uh, I, I sat down and had a one-on-one with Coach B, and he told me, he was just like, hey, like, if you don't want to play, you're coming here to play uh, running back. That's 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 what you're going to do. That's what you want to go play. That's what you're going to play. And I can promise you that's what you're going to be. And he told me that you're going to have a great fan base because people, um, people already know you. You're already here. I mean, you're from here. So he was right. You know, he, you know, he, I, when I, once I got that confidence that I got that confidence that I'm, that's the position I'm going to play and I don't have to worry about none of that, then I was good to go. Yeah. Wisconsin's known for uh, its O line play, its running back play. Did you get a sense of when you got to Wisconsin just how talented and special a group it was? Because a ton of those guys are in the NFL right now. Did it feel that way when you were there? That this was really something special? Uh, yeah, I knew, I knew it was gonna be special. I mean, I seen the film of Monty, and um, I thought Clay was gonna be there. Um, I seen the film of, uh, you know, James. I knew what James could do. I knew Monty could do it. Um, they, I knew they had talent, so I knew I would have to work for the position. But I went there telling myself that I was gonna be a starter. The first day I got there. Best thing about that is I got to learn from those guys. I think out of any running back, I was just thinking to myself a couple of days ago, I think out of any running back there, I was probably in the best situation. Um, because I got, first of all, I had a amazing coach who went on to coach for 
the Ravens, um, and then uh, now he's the head coach at NIU. Um, I got to learn from James White uh, for three years, who's probably one of the most consistent Badgers ever to play at Wisconsin and got Super Bowls and doing his thing. Um, I got to learn from Monty, who's a Heisman finalist. Uh, so for two years, and I think, honestly, Monty was a really good player, just unfortunately some things happened. Um, and then I also got to learn from Corey, who I thought was, you know, was an amazing back. I knew he was good coming in. I knew he was an amazing back coming in. So I got to learn from three of those guys. And I don't think no one ever been in a situation like that to where they got to learn from, you know, all three of those type of different backs. So I think I was the most blessed back coming in. So Corey got his Super Bowl. James got his Super Bowl. We just need to get you one to kind of complete the trio. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Oh, I believe in you. We're we're really hoping that you get that, get to get past the Patriots and get your chance this year. We're really pulling for you guys uh, to get past there, but didn't quite, didn't quite happen. So always next season. Always. We're going to be good though. Not worried about it. Do you have one memory or lasting memory of playing um, in front of the Badger faithful? I know the the stadium is 70,000 plus screaming for you. We have a good fan base and and then all that. Do you have a good memory or lasting memory that you want to share? Yeah, definitely the the four oh eight game. Um it's probably one of the biggest moments. Um it was like my first time really playing in a snow game. And then the crowd just screaming my name. It was just dope, man. It was probably one of the definitely one of the top moments that I'll never forget. Um, you know, just not every day something like that happens. And uh you know, it was just awesome, man. To just to be from Wisconsin, um, and to hear to be in Wisconsin that day, and had to have the fans just share my name like that, man. It was super electric night game, man. It was just, it was dope, man. I, I, that's definitely a moment I'll never forget there. Along with the, along with the, the bowl game. So now, when you, when you, uh, don't play the fourth quarter though, and then next week, the next week, P Ryan. Gets four hundred twenty-seven and breaks your record. How does that feel? That was garbage. Yeah, I was sick. I was sick about it because I was like, I mean, I played it cool, but I was like, man, like I, at first I thought like I'm like they got to be talking about another record. I was like, there's no way that a record that was standing <laughs> for almost seventeen years or whatever gets broken in a week. Like I was like, there's no way that 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 just happened. So he got to be talking about another record. And I was like, it just kind of killed. It kind of ate at me a little bit because it was like. I could have shattered that record if I really wanted oh, to. Oh, yeah. Elite, elite running backs only need three quarters to put up 400 yards. <laughs> right. so. You feel me? So it's all good, man. So uh, we mentioned uh, you trying to get that Super Bowl ring. So the Chargers broke a little bit of a playoff drought, four-year drought. You went on, beat the uh, Ravens on the road. Do you feel like going into this next season is your goal something like the Super Bowl? It is the Super Bowl. It is the goal. You know, my goal was to get to the playoffs and see what happened. That's what I told myself. Now the goal is to get past the playoffs, get to the Super Bowl, win it. That's my goal, and that's going to be my goal until I'm done playing. I mean, I think that seems reasonable considering how much talent you guys have. You had the best record in the AFC, but you're unfortunately in the same division with the Chiefs. With the tiebreaker, yeah. so you also, I guess, want to win that division, right? Get the get the playoff games at home. Definitely get that, man. And we kind of, you know, we kind of messed that up. Um, we let some games slip away that we shouldn't have, and it kind of it bit us at the end. 
And I'd rather have games going through, you know, Cali than us having to travel like that because they end up catching up with us. So what if I was able to grant you power to pick one of these two things? You could either get the single season, like, rushing record. You could be the elite guy for one year. Or I could get you to the Super Bowl. And I couldn't promise the outcome of the Super Bowl. That's up to you guys. But I could get you to the Super Bowl. Which one would you pick? Super Bowl all day. Get me to the Super Bowl. Get me to the Super Bowl cause I, so I could be a champion. No one could ever take that away from me because I got the next year to go get the rushing title. I'll go get that. Or I'll set the rushing record in, in the Super Bowl game. Go from there. And you guys, you got to bring home the trophy to Los Angeles, right? Before the Rams. Yeah, for the first, got to, man. It got to. It's mandatory. Got to bring the first Super, a Super Bowl to the Chargers organization. That is a goal of mine to be one of the first to ever bring it in there. So, I mean, you you can never forget the first the first ones to do it ever. Yeah, because you know you've been in LA for a little bit. Um, can you talk a little bit about what you miss about San Diego and what what you love about being in Los Angeles? Yeah, um, you know what I miss about San Diego really is just, um, you know, you could go to you know downtown, had a downtown, so you can go there, let your hair down. Or they had like four or five beaches where you can go La Jolla or something where you can just lay back and just watch the, you know what I'm saying, watch the waves, hit the rocks and just whatever and just vibe and be in your own world. So it was a good change up. Um, L.A. really just fast paced. You know, there's, there's no there's no there's no change up with that at all. I mean, it's just straight fast paced. I think Dago was both. That's why I liked it so much. Um, you got best of both worlds, you know, and L.A. is just, just straight fast paced, man. And, you know, without 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 the right mind, you can get lost in the sauce, so to speak. <laughs> Man, it sounds exciting. You don't have to say much more than that. But I do have to ask, now that it's the off season and you're having a chance to recover and hang out with family a little bit, does it make it hard to come back to Wisconsin? Because, I mean, we have really. we have a balmy 20-degree weather sometimes. It's less. <laughs> yeah, I heard. You're talking I about heard. beaches and stuff like that. So so what do you like to do to recover in the off season? Oh, I just... I just like to go, and, you know, get rehab. I got a re- the rehab place that I like. It's, it's right next to me, so I like to go there and just uh, – or just get off my feet a little bit, um, you know, and just, just vibe and play the video game. Man, I really I really don't get in too much. I think rest is the best, you know, the best healing thing, healing tool or healing, you know, healing way that you could, you know, could, could make or take out of, out of anything. Just rest, man. Rest is the best healing. And so that's the biggest thing, and just sit around. Um, you know, I, I, I'm starting to work out a little bit more in the off season. Actually, a lot. Um, like when we get done, I kind of just thought that you know, when you get done, like you just rest for like, you know, some months or so to just get your body right. And then I kind of met with Vonum at the Pro Bowl, and they kind of told me like, you know, at least four days out the week, just try to work out because you're a professional athlete. So I've been been doing that this off season, and you know, I feel good. Um, you know, and just been, you know, staying on top of my knees. Obviously, I was out there with two braces on, which was terrible. Oh, um, but had to get it. <laughs> had, yeah. to, had to try to make that run. You know, not every not every day, you, you know, I went three years without getting in the playoffs. And uh, I wasn't going to let two, you know, wearing two knee braces stop me from making my run at the Super Bowl. So, but I definitely just rest, man. I, I, I really don't, I'm, I'd be missing home. But, you know, when I hear it's super cold, then I'll just stay, <laughs> wait till it warm up a little bit. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm just, I'm just come back when, the, you know, when it ain't snowing or something like that. I don't blame you. You have us California dreaming. No polar vortex in in LA, that's for sure. For real. <laughs> so going back to video games, you, of course, we talked about a little bit. You beat Juju Smith Schuster in a game of yes, Madden sir. 19. I guess, are you happy with your Madden rating? Or 
Oh uh, yeah, I'm happy with my Madden rating. I'm I'm even happier that I beat Juju though. Oh it was yeah, like me. It was like me versus everybody in there. Like everybody was with Juju. Oh man, <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, I saw was, he had quite the cheering oh, section. Uh, yo, like I I had nobody to cheer for me. Like how much when he, he made a play, everybody was cheering. It was sad. How much did he pay for all those people? I don't know. I think they were just fans. You know, Juju is like an internet. You know, he he's like social media king right uh, now. He know how to work it. So I'm, you know, they everybody knows Juju. So that's probably uh, well, we, we're Team Gordon over here. Appreciate it. Are you, do you consider yourself? Are you pretty good at Madden? Are you one of the better guys on the team? Uh, no, nah, I, I got beat by Derwin pretty bad. I think he's like he's probably he beat the guys that made the game. So oh wow, you know, yeah, 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 he's pretty good. That's pretty, pretty good. good. He's pl- pretty good. We went to the little EA Bowl. We beat everybody there. So. Whoa. You play any other games? Uh, uh, I just play that in 2K, man. I'm not really like the Fortnite guy. No, you're all sports games. Yeah, I'm sports games. I'm a big 2K. That's like my biggest thing. Man, you're gonna make my my nine year old son happy to hear that. He's all about Giannis 2K and and Madden. So he's gonna be delighted to hear that. Heck yeah. So, of course you're living in LA right now from Kenosha I guess south of the border there's another team but team Giannis or team LeBron which which team oh team team Giannis for sure I'm go. really team Kyrie but team Giannis though if you make me pick out of them too I gotta make you pick because they play tonight <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah they play in LA right yeah 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 yeah, yeah I'll be at uh I'll be at that one versus them in the Bucks in Milwaukee yeah, that's a great – Pfizer Forum's awesome. Awesome stadium to go to, so you'll enjoy that for sure. Okay. Yeah, all, I ain't been to the new one, so yeah, excited the, to see what it's talking about. All the fans around here will like to hear you say your team, Giannis. So. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm definitely rolling uh, – Kyrie's my favorite player, but team-wise, I'm rolling with the Bucks. You feel me? Yeah, not to mention yeah. they got a little bit – I feel bad for them a little bit because that, that Boston team seemed to have a lot of promise coming into the regular season, and they just seem to be imploding. Yeah. I don't know what's going on out there. Yeah, we tripping, man. We ain't we ain't playing good team ball right now, man. They need to get that energy together. I don't know what's going on. They shouldn't go out have a team bonding experience. I don't know what that may be. Yeah, I don't know. They need to go, go have a drink or something. That, a, yeah, that. a drink, a meal or something. Right. <laughs> so we have kind of a running bit going on right now in our podcast where we're kind of sharing our sports injury stories. Um, we've heard anything com- from kickball to bowling Follies to our own personal ones where college football, yeah, yeah, where we had baseballs hitting people in the face and knocking them unconscious. Do you have a sports yeah. injury story you want to share that kind of either as a teammate that could be funny or interesting or your own personal one? Uh, I ain't really, I ain't really got one. Or how I about really, I ain't really got uh, crazy like that. So how was it trying to play through in the in the postseason? You talked a little bit about battling through the injury to to make sure you you at least rose to the occasion in the playoffs. How was it trying to get prepped and ready to go, even though uh, you were kind of battling was, that? It wasn't. Uh, it was kind of tough at times because, you know, it's like your mind play tricks on you. Um, But it was tough just trying to run in two braces. It's hard enough running one, and then I had to wear two. I was just like, you know, but I felt like, you know, I went out there and made a cut, and I was like, if I can, if I can go lateral, I'm going, you know, and, it's it's just tough, man, because mentally you got to be able to just shut off the pain, really, and just go. And uh, what kind of just drove me was just like it's it's more than me. I'm playing for, and I'm playing for it. So it's, you know, so it's a whole team that's dependent on me to to go out here and make it happen. So you know, you know, just as a as a man, as a player, as a teammate, you just gotta know how to just shut it off, 
shut off the pain and just go out there and, and, and just give everything you got. Because once you're out there, you're out there. No one cares what you got on. No one cares you have on two braces, three braces. No one cares. When you step out there, you know, and you're on that gridiron, man, people expect you to go. So that's just the mindset. You know, me being out there just made it easier for me to go. But it, was, it wasn't it was easy, to say the least. It definitely wasn't easy. Sometimes I wonder, ask myself how I'm still hurling over people with two braces <laughs> on. But like I said, when you go out there and you just shut it off, bro, you just, you know, you'd be amazed at what you could do mentally. Well, even though you were banged up at the end of the year, you still finished with a career high in total touchdowns, career high in receiving yards, and as I mentioned earlier, 5.1 yards per carry. Do you feel like you're just now hitting your full potential as an NFL running back? Uh, I feel like right now I'm I'm stepping into my prime, and I gotta make I got a lot of catching up to do. Um, if I want to be considered one of the greats, which I want, I got a lot of catching up to do. Um, these injuries. Uh, Got uh, you know, I pray they come to a minimum, um, you know, because I feel like I had two really big seasons. I could have had I, two big seasons. I feel like I could have had two 1,300-yard seasons if I don't get hurt. Uh, you know, and obviously God, you know, put that in my path for some reason, but hopefully he makes my road a little easier uh, as far as injuries. Um, and I can go get it, man, because like I said, this is my prime these next three or four years. And, uh, you know, I, I want I want to be sure that these next three four years I'm the best back to come through and do it. So can you tell me? I mean, we all dream of it as as kids growing up. We pretend to be NFL athletes, getting drafted number one or in the first round, and and, and making our, our dreams come true. Not many of us get to get to achieve that dream. Can you tell us what it was like getting drafted in the first round, especially by a franchise like the Chargers? Yeah, it was amazing, man. Uh, it was just like. All your hard work, all your dreams come true. You know what I mean? Like it's like everything you work for, you know, they tell you they tell you that it's a one percent chance that make it to the NFL, it's a three percent chance that make it to college, like a D one, like, you know, from the start, people put odds against you that you won't make it. And then when you do, you know, and it's all said and done and you hit that stage, man, they holding your jersey up and your name is called, it's just like I beat the odds. You know what I'm saying I made my dream come true and I beat the odds. And it's just a it's an amazing feeling, man. You know, words really can't explain it. Um, but that was definitely a you know a happy day for me, a proud day, but just the beginning. Yeah, it was amazing. Even in, as a Badger Nation, we were really pulling for you and it was an exciting moment for us too. So you had mentioned uh you and Trey Waynes, you grew up together playing football. Are you guys uh mm-hmm. put, are you guys putting on your uh your camp again this off season? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are, for sure. So that's pretty exciting. What is it like to be a role model and kind of giving back and kind of being there for the next generation and, and teaching them how to do it not only the right way on the field but off the field? It's dope, man. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, obviously blessed, both of us blessed to be able to be in a position where we could do this. Um, you know, just, just teaching kids and giving back, especially in our area because, you know, we, we – we didn't have it, you know, we didn't, we didn't have it. We didn't have someone showing us the way and kind of guiding us, throwing camps and giving little tips here and there. Um, Cause sometimes it just take a little, a little knowledge to get you over there. And, uh, you know, we're able to uh, provide that to, you know, the kids in our community. So it's just an awesome feeling, man. Yeah. It sounds like you're doing a lot of great work on and off the field. Got to man, gotta 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 set an example in some fashion, even if it's not a lot, a little, 
even if it's just a little, man, every everything counts. Every second, every minute counts um, when it comes towards giving back. Yeah, it's amazing. All the things you're doing, not only on the field but off, we just want to say thank you for all that you do. Not there for the kids and, and doing that, giving back for the community. And for us personally, I think we want to take some time out just to say thank you for all you've given us here, giving us your time. We know it's valuable, especially in the off season. You want to get that rehab and, and get that time with family and friends. So any time you've given us is, is really appreciated. Yeah, thanks, Melvin. We'll be, uh, we'll be pulling for you this season. Oh, yeah, appreciate it, man, all the way. Yeah, thanks for being a, a mentor to kids too, and that's something that's really big for – I think for my kid who's nine years old, he looks up to you guys and, and you're really proven that, that there are good athletes out there who really, really care. So thank you. Oh yeah, no problem, man. Appreciate y'all too. Sure. Wow, what a class act. We just want to say thank you again to Melvin Gordon for taking time out of his busy schedule. I know these guys still have a lot of work to do and they put in a lot of time. I know they also want to get time away for their families and things like that. So any time that we could get with them is, you know, is extremely valuable. So we just want to thank him again uh, for taking time out of his day to, to come visit with us. Yeah, it was a great talking to him. Thanks again, Melvin. So yeah, welcome anytime. And with that, time to get out of here. I think yeah, so. we got to get out of here. So with that, we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye, everybody. I look forward to our next meeting, so don't get attacked by a bear. And I'm out of here like spit through a trumpet. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) I worked so hard to find that. Keep it in. The office? (laughs) (laughs) Parks and Rec? (laughs) No, I just found a bunch of quotes. I just made it up. And scene. Wise, wise man, that Charles Barkley. Ridiculous. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Questionable to Return Sports Podcast. Send us your questions, read more about us, and more on our website, questionabletoreturn.com. Follow us on Twitter at Q2Return and Instagram at questionabletoreturn. You can also like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash questionable to return follow each of the guys on twitter for andy at andy the number nine man mike at mike r daily and pete at p cozy with a k junior jr please consider leaving us a five-star review as well as sharing us with someone you know